Welcome. This is uh, WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. <clears throat> Very happy that you tuned in for another program with my good friend and assistant, David Abu. David. Hey, Jan. How are you? Great to be here again with you. Another week's gone by. Another week is coming on. <laughs> <and with laughs> Boy, does time fly. Boy, does it ever. <laughs> and another show, and yeah. actually, um, we've been looking at some different topics and subjects yeah. as well as interviewing interesting people. And I just talked to a fellow that's involved with stewardship and finance from a Christian financial, and he's going to hire the show, Call oh. Willie. Later on in August, I okay. just talked to him. So we'll have some interviews coming up, David. And then, but we'll continue on these different uh, areas of interest in, uh, as we go through um, this different studies we've had. And so today I wanted us to look at uh, the similarities, actually amazing similarities between Islam and Mormonism. Even though Islam is from the 7th century and Mormonism was founded in the 19th century, mm -hmm. uh, they have these really incredible um, commonalities or similarities. Mm -hmm. And why I like to study this and talk about it is, number one, it gives us a better understanding of, of these two religions. Now, granted, Islam, there's like 1.5 billion Muslims in the world today, and there's approximately 15 million um, Mormons. <clears throat> but these are both growing, and we're interacting. Uh, with the, we're going to see these different peoples and these different religions in the days ahead. So I thought it would be good to get an understanding of these belief systems. And one way to get understanding is by contrast or similarities, and that's what we're going to do today. And then we'll be able to have conversation when we meet a Muslim or we meet a Mormon, and then where they are coming from, what they believe, what does the Bible say, and you know, does it agree or disagree with their particular belief systems. So I thought we'd dig right into that, but before we do, just a couple of things. It says in First. Peter chapter 3, verse 15, were to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everybody that asks a reason for the hope that is within you, but do it with respect right. and humility for the other person. In other words, you want to attack mm -hmm. that particular religion or belief system, but you just want to tell the truth mm -hmm. and try to gain a deeper understanding. And the other verse is in Acts of the Apostles chapter 17, verse 10, where the great apostle Paul was teaching and giving a sermon. And in verse 11, it says, this is uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verse 11. Uh -huh. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So even though Paul was teaching, they still ran it through the filter of the Bible, that's that's how that's your plumb line. You know, when you're building a building, you you square it up with a plumb line. Um, you'd have to have something to measure it against, otherwise everybody's right or everybody's wrong in any belief system at all. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what what what's the basic beliefs in Islam, what's basic beliefs in Mormonism, and what does the, the Bible say about that? Because they're coming from two different sources, actually. So just by way of background, and then we'll get into it. Um, Muhammad is born 570 A.D. That's almost six centuries after our Lord uh -huh. uh, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven. So you got uh, half a millennium, six centuries roughly, born in Saudi Arabia in the city of Mecca. Uh -huh. And he's orphaned rather early. His dad dies uh, just a couple days after he's born. And his mother, when he's six years old, she dies. So he's an orphan. And he's raised by his uncle, Abu Talid. 
and that's he, what he ends up doing. Really, he he he's a, a trader. He's on the caravan routes, and where he lived, there's a lot of caravans coming east and west, north and south. So he's being exposed to not just business and trading, of course, but religions. You know, Judaism, Christianity, Zoroastrianism, maybe even some of the Eastern religions. And he, and this is going to be reflected when he starts uh, writing the Quran. We're going to see a lot of these different influences of Judaism, Christianity, perhaps some other myths of that time, Zoroastrianism. Um, so that's his deal. Okay, now what happens with him, Muhammad, when he's on his 40th birthday or in the year 610 A.D., he's in a cave. He's given to going out. He, he, he's yeah. wealthy. He marries this woman who's about 15 years his senior by the name of Khadija, and he's got this time, and he represents her, you know, her products and all this kind of stuff. So he's got time, and he likes to meditate and pray in these caves because he thinks he's surrounded by idolatry and superstition and false religions, and he receives this visitation by a spirit, or what he calls an angel. He thinks it's Angel Gabriel or Jabril, uh-huh. And that's when he starts getting these revelations. You know, it's, it's basically the angel says, Ikara, 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 which is like, read it, read it, or recite it, recite it. And that's, he's terrified initially. He thinks he's, he's just encountered a demon, what they call jinn. But uh, his wife and uncle convince him he's a prophet. Mm. He should go get more of this uh, revelation from this. And that will start uh, the Quran, which we're going to get. That's the holy book. That's their holy book. Now, fast forward, almost a millennia later, upstate New York, a young 17-year-old boy named Joseph Smith, farm boy, he's given to going out and looking for Indian treasure and all this stuff in the surrounding woods and farmlands. And one day he says he has a visitation from Jesus and God the Father. And then he gets these revelations over a period of years, and ultimately he's encountered an angel. And that angel's name is Moroni. So this is the starting point, David, where both of these men will have an encounter with an angel. Now, why that's so important is because this is what the Bible really strictly forbids, is when you you have these angelic visitations. Uh, You can read one, if you will, for 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, We're just showing how how this thing uh, squares with the the Bible as such. If you look at it... um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, right. and you just read in what? Let's look at um, chapter 11. Look at where some, oh, uh, let's, uh, even if an angel comes with another revelation, the Bible's going to tell you, uh, don't heed to it. Don't listen to that. The same thing is said in Galatians. I'm going to go to Galatians, then I'll come back to this one in Corinthians. But look at Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1. Six through nine. Okay. And if you read that. Sure. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to the different to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So but, he go on. Yeah. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. That's the critical issue. Yeah. See, an angel comes, and he's going to bring a different gospel, a different Jesus. Um, that's why 
even 2,000 years ago when they're writing the New Testament, they're saying, watch out when an angel or a spirit comes mm -hmm. and give somebody a new revelation. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, but that was 2 Corinthians, David. I had sent you the wrong. Oh, so second, Yeah. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, okay. verse um, 13 and 14. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. There you go. Yeah. Again, the cautionary note here is beware mm -hmm. of... Um, now, the enemy is going to come. Yeah. And how is he going to get inroads? But one of the ways could be through a spirit mm -hmm. or an angelic yeah. being. Right. We see that he did that in the Garden of Eden. Oh, Somehow yeah. he appeared to Eve at a, like a really luminous serpent. We don't right. know what all that's about. But, uh, yeah. And he's going to attack the word. But I think that's foundational when we study about Muhammad and we study about Joseph Smith and how these two different religions, separated by many years, get started, and that's how they're going to start. Now, both of these men believe that the religions around them were false. They're wrong. It's uh, right. superstition. Yeah. That Muhammad believes that, lied about idolatry. Joseph Smith says there's too many different denominations. I don't know what the true religion is. They both are kind of dissatisfied with their surrounding belief systems. Yeah, and they also say the Bible's corrupted too, right? Well, they're going to come to that. Yeah. Now, they're going to they're gonna say... They're going to use the Bible. Both of them are going to use yeah. the Bible. That You're going to find that in both the their sacred book, Islam is the Quran, and the Book of Mormon. So they're going to use the Bible heavily and draw from it a lot. But then they're going to say the Bible is corrupted. Yeah. It's been corrupted over the years, over the centuries. But their book is pure. <laughs> Almost like their book came from heaven, so to speak. Now, right. Now, Joseph Smith says he's actually going to get his revelation from the angel's going to show him these golden plates, and he's got to read them by looking through a stone, like an amber stone, like glasses almost, and that decodes the plates, and then he comes up with this message, which is um, the Book of Mormon. But you're right. The critical issue is there is they're going to use the Bible yeah. until their holy book is, is completed, mm -hmm. the Quran mm -hmm. or the Book of Mormon. Then they say ours is not ours is not pure or it's corrupted or it's foul it's false and all the theirs is true that's the important thing theirs is true and so right from the get-go you see these two systems uh are not in agreement where the bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine and uh correction uh in righteousness instruction in righteousness that the man of god might be mature thoroughly equipped so the bible is very clear as to saying that's it. That's mm -hmm. the book. You know, you don't add or you don't subtract mm -hmm. from it. It's a completed volume. That's why we've done shows on Genesis and Revelation. They're like bookends, and they mesh really perfectly. Like, it's the end of the story. Yeah. It's got its full revelation. They're saying, no, we need a further revelation. So that's the start of these two belief systems. You've got Islam, Mormon, and then over a period of time, as they're getting these messages— they're formulating those books. Now, Islam will have another book. They'll actually have several. They'll have the the Quran. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about two-thirds the size of um, the New Testament, the Christian New Testament. Mm. Then they'll have the Hadith, which is the book of traditions. And they'll have the Sunnah, which is another book, so to speak, 
tells you how to live life, you know, dietary and uh, fasting and praying and all the practical, because Islam means submission. Sometimes people think Islam means peace. That's not what it means. It means submission. And therefore, if you're going to be a Muslim, you, you want to be submitted under God. You want to follow his laws. And right. His laws are are what we would call um, Sharia. You know, you, you're under you're under his laws. You want to know the regulations to do. And so when you come to Mormonism, they'll have the Book of Mormon. They'll have Doctrines and Covenants, mm-hmm. the Pearl of Great Price. They'll also have the Bible. Oftentimes they'll have the Bible. So you're going to have several books that they think are inspired. Go yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I just... Um... It, it, so it is one of the other big things too, John, is that the number of people that wrote the Bible they have trouble with because, you know, they're, they're saying that, you know, what they have came from one source. Right. So I, I was just curious, you know. That, what no, you, you have a good point. Because... Um, and, and then they also question, well, there's a bunch of Johns in the Bible, all the New Testament mm-hmm. authors. There's so many different ones. Uh-huh. Who was it? Yeah. And because I, I saw something else in the research where they bring that out. And then they also say some other things um, about how we can be talking about one God, yet we have the Trinity. And right. they don't understand that. And they don't understand uh, how Jesus became a human. So, uh, you know, the, there's a couple key differences. But one of the key ones that they feel it was corrupted is all the different authors. Well, yeah. Because yeah. look at the Bible. It's yeah. written over... 1,500 years. Right. It has 40 different authors. Yeah. You know, you have everything from kings to shepherds to tax collectors, uh, prophets, fishermen, rabbis, uh, all. But there's a unity in their messaging. Yeah. There's a unity. You know, there's a unity. The other thing is, is the one might be writing a thousand years ago, but he's making these prophecies that are fulfilled in the New Testament. So there's like cohesion there. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, there, if, if, let's say for some reason we didn't have the Gospel of Mark. Right. We had the three gospels. Well, that's still enough to present the Messiahship of Jesus. Right. His death, burial, resurrection, his ascension. Even if you took another gospel out, you don't. You, we're not dependent on one man. You see what I'm saying? That it's spread. God's revelation is spread, but you can check the inner um, discipline of the of the message. It's like a, a, a tapestry that all the threads fit together rather perfectly. Yeah. The, the issue with Islam and Mormonism is you're dependent on that one man right. getting it right. Right. One man. And if he gets it wrong, you, it's all wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I definitely. So, so you know, again, I, if we didn't have, let's say we didn't have the um, yeah. Ecclesiastes. Right. The book of Ecclesiastes is missing. We don't have Or we don't have, um, I don't know, J- J- Jeremiah. I mean, we're missing a significant portion of the Old Testament. Yeah. But the whole thing wouldn't collapse. Yeah. Because it's spread right over a large over a large spectrum. That's right of time and, and authorship. But if if Joseph Smith or Muhammad is getting their message from a false spirit, then the whole thing is going to collapse. The whole thing collapse. It's like a bungee cord. It's like everybody's hanging on to that, and they're they're putting all the, <clears throat> basically their life and their eternity that he got this thing right. Right. Yeah, and that could be a problem. I think it's a shot right. Yeah, I think it's the strength of the Bible that so many authors were involved. Yeah, and and the story fits together as you said, like a perfect puzzle piece. Yes, yes. So it's uh, I think that's actually one of our strengths. Yeah, yeah. I compare it to the human body. Right. 
uh, with all the different systems, you know, you have digestive, nervous system, muscular, um, endocrine, you know, all, all these different systems, different types of tissue and hard and soft, but they all come together and they work in concert yeah. and cooperation with one another to form one human being, one, you know, mm-hmm. fully functional. Uh, so, too, the Bible has poetry, parables, prophecies, history, commandments. Right. They all link together to form a singular uh, revelation. Mm-hmm. But again, if Muhammad doesn't have it right, you have 1.5 billion people counting on him getting this revelation That's right. right. <clears throat> Same thing with Mormonism. If, if for some reason Joseph Smith heard from a false angel or a lying spirit, up there in upstate New York in 1823, you have 15 million yeah. people hanging on to that. You, you, what I call like a bungee cord, or a, a, you know. So that's why I think it's yeah. good to discuss these things. Absolutely, you have a good point. Uh, the Bible um, will be used as their source. Then they'll have these their book, which they consider pure, uncorrupted, and what what is the message for God for their followers? Right. To both. Um, now they both believe. That they're prophets, uh, they are prophets, and they're going to restore true religion. They're going right. to everything around them is false around Muhammad. Everything around Joseph Smith and uh, is false at that time. They're going to be the prophet to restore the true religion. But uh, John, do I have this right? I, I have like a little comparison chart. After I can, there's a bunch of comparison yeah, yeah. charts you can find. But according to Islam, Muhammad, not virgin born, Jesus virgin born. Right. Muhammad, not sinless, Jesus, sinless. Mm -hmm. Muhammad, not Messiah, Jesus called Messiah. Muhammad, no miracles, Jesus did miracles. Right, in their book. Right. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad, not word of God, Jesus called word of God. Muhammad, body in grave, Jesus, body in heaven. Right. So if they agree with all of that, how come there's not more conversion? Than well, because what they don't agree on. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. It's just that they they absolutely positively do not believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, because they but, claim he never said I was God, but he inferred it in so many scripture things. Well, yeah. He didn't I, say I am God, but he sure as heck made it well, pretty clear. Why? Why do they want to kill him? Right. Because he'll even say in John chapter ten and John chapter eight, the Gospel of John. For what good work are you going to kill me? They say, yeah. not any of your good works, but you being a man, make yourself to be God. So when he says he can forgive sin, yeah. that he is the Lord of the Sabbath in Matthew chapter 13, right? And he receives worship. He's coming back in clouds of glory to judge. That's all belongs to deity. You see that when he says, I am, I before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. That's, that's a claim of deity. And John 10, 30, one of the first ones I wrote down is where Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Yeah. I mean, so he doesn't say I'm God, but how close do you be? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, If somebody doesn't read the scriptures, the Bible, and doesn't understand how Jesus revealed himself, what he's called the Alpha and the Omega, well, the book of Isaiah, that that belongs to God. Right. So these terms and titles that are attributed to Jesus clearly say, I am God. Right. Now, this touches on another point, David, is that they have, and remember what it said in Galatians, they present another Jesus. See, yeah. so does does Islam present a different Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. They believe he's a prophet, he's a holy prophet, he's virgin mm-hmm. born, but he's not the son of God. Right. He's not the creator, as it says in John mm-hmm. chapter 1 or Colossians or other places. 
same thing with Mormonism. They they view Jesus as as they believe that it, there's actual sexual relations between the Father God and the Virgin Mary and Jesus and offspring. And, and if you track it back far enough, and they're writing, he's like a spirit being yeah. that existed before he's born and is a is a co brother, a brother with Lucifer himself. And there's kind of you got to get into it. But I mean, this is the Jesus they have. It's very different than the Jesus presented in the Bible. Hence, they need another book to describe the Jesus of their particular belief system. Yeah, so with Mormonism, I wrote the deity of Christ. I don't know if I have this right, but Mormons hold that Jesus is preexistent, but his pre-mortal form was not as God. Right. Rather, Jesus is our elder brother, right. the great star, Coleb. Mormons explicitly, if... Uh, Deny the full deity of Jesus Christ. Exactly. So and that, that's that's a big start. That's all it is. Who's that? That's a planet. Okay. That that would come into that later, maybe. But okay. The idea being that he is much much lesser than what the Bible presents Jesus to be. And right. So this is your critical issue. Mm -hmm. Who do, remember when Jesus says to his followers, "Who do you say that I am?" Right. Who did? That's the like. That's like the most important question ever asked on this planet. Yeah. Is Jesus We're, right? If, if people say he's just a prophet, a great prophet, or he's a god but a yeah. lesser god, right. you got problems. Oh, and our yeah. Bible is all wrong. Right. You know, and the presentation of Jesus mm -hmm. is all wrong. But when he says, look, um, I, I, uh, I go to my father, I'll, I'll always be with you. Something when he makes that kind of a term, or when we see in Revelation, Everybody falls down before the lamb that was slain. Right. Well, you can't fall down before an angel or a holy person. You can only fall down and worship God alone. So that's where you get these differences are starting to come in. And again, knowing this helps us to better understand mm -hmm. Islam, understand Mormonism, and get in a good conversation or discussion with people in these different faiths. So that's a big one. You know, the the, the, the idea that, well, let's go over real quick, is the angelic visitation, that, mm -hmm. that's the ignition point. That's the starting point for both of these systems. Number two, the use of the Bible until their holy book is completed. Right. And then our the, the Bible is designated as corrupt. It's not. not right. Uh, yeah. But theirs is holy, pure, and true, uh, which is, you know. <laughs> um, so that's, that's an issue. The other thing is they believe that they're called to restore true religion both Muhammad back right. in the 6th century yeah. and Joseph Smith. Yeah. They both call themselves prophets. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, in, in Islam, it'll say, when well, you want to become a Muslim, you simply said uh, the Shahada or the saying is there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the seal of his prophets. In other words, the final prophet. They believe in the prophets of the Old Testament, like Adam and Moses and David and Jonah and then Jesus, you see. But they believe he is the end revelation, Muhammad. Well, the, the the issue here is, and of course, Joseph Smith considers him a prophet, is Jesus warns us continually that when he leaves, false prophets would come. Right. And you could discern if they're coming, uh, you know, by their fruits. And one of the ways we're going to discern Muhammad and Joseph Smith is one of their fruits are in the whole area of polygamy. There's multiple wives. I mean, double digit. We'll get into that. And that's strictly forbidden in the New Testament, especially for a leader. It'll say in Timothy and in Titus, uh, if you want to be in that leadership position, yeah. like a pastor, right out the gate, husband of one wife, able to teach, not after money, um, not given to, not a drunkard, your house is in good order. Right. But right out from the beginning, 
husband of one wife. I can even read it here. And that's that's like that's like a deal breaker, okay? Oh yeah. And and both of them. It, yeah, both both of the other yeah, it, it simply says, um, he says, okay, for this reason, this is in Titus, uh, appoint elders in every city. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, in other words, not rebellious. Same thing with an overseer, a bishop, must be blameless, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent or greedy for money, a lover of what is good, sober-minded. So you get in these ideas that you cannot have multiple wives. Now, yeah. Muhammad himself uh, had 11 wives that are recorded, and we even know their names. You can see this if you go do a little research. The youngest of his wives was Aisha. It, it, she's a daughter of one of his good friends, Abu Bakr, and he sees her. And she's When he sees her, she's like six or seven years old, and then they get married at age nine. She's nine. <laughs> Um, yeah. And to this day, in the Quran, sort of four verse four, we'll say, you can have as many wives up to four wives. That's why there's still polygamy in many places, in, in like in Pakistan, Afghanistan, other places, because it's justified in in the the holy book in the Quran. Now, when you come to Joseph Smith, and again, you can go to their sites, you know, the Mormon sites, on, on, and do this research. He has up to 40 wives, 40 wives. Yeah. Many of them are very young, you know, teenage girls. Um, and they, it's clearly there. But again, you can't, you cannot uh, justify this. Not, not yeah. using the New Testament. Not right. if you're in any agreement yeah. with the New Testament. And so we say that's a commonality of both these systems have beginning, is that the leadership will approve of and even promote, in a sense, uh, polygamy. Right. Many wives. Yeah. That's a big, big, big issue. Big issue. Yeah. So at that point, there's there's a, there's a lot of um, separation, so to speak, from the Christian faith. So that that's that's an issue. Now, as we yeah. continue to track along on these different similarities, one thing, too, is they're going to have dietary restrictions. Yeah. They're going to have these dietary restrictions, um, which is, by a quick review, both visited by angel, both given visions, Joseph Smith, Muhammad. Uh, told that uh, no true religion existed at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, each claimed, Muhammad and Joseph Smith, claimed to be not well-educated or somewhat illiterate. Therefore, their book must be proof that it was inspired of God. They're, they make that claim. Both right. do. Each claimed the Bible was lost, altered, corrupted, and unreliable. Um, they they would say each claim um, he was they're, they're, they're persecuted for their pure faith. No. This is an interesting point. When Muhammad goes and tries to share this message, he says it's from God. In Mecca, he's for all he's persecuted, he leaves. Yeah. And this is a famous, like an Exodus <clears throat> experience. He'll go on this thing way up north in Saudi Arabia to a city called Medina. It's called the Hijira. Hijira. He's gonna and that's where Muslim, Islam will really start up there. And yeah. just like when Joseph Smith was shot and killed mm -hmm. in a jail and Brigham Young and his yeah. successor. Well, they'll leave Illinois, they'll leave that part, with, and they'll go westward to Utah. And it's kind of like an exodus. So both of them in their religions have this exodus experience, and that's what's going to strengthen them or kind of um, uh, give them their mission. It's separation. Right. They're persecuted. They run or make this migration. But it's interesting that both of them have that in their um, religious history. 
Uh, yeah. It's very notable, especially in the Islamist culture at Jira. Yeah. So we have that, and of course, the Mormons will then settle in um, Salt, Salt Lake City. Right. Um, the, at the death of their founder, there will split. There'll be a major split. Uh, in, when Muhammad dies, then you're going to split with the Sunni and the Shiite. And that's common here today, even now. Mm-hmm. In Iran, there's many, many right. Shiite. Right. And then the 90, uh, I don't know, 90% is um, Sunni. Yeah. And there's a split after the uh, death of Joseph Smith. He was shot and killed in a jail cell. Right. And uh, he, his wife and son break off and say they're the true Mormon faith. Yeah. Brigham Young takes the majority of them mm-hmm. and he leaves. And that's, that's what we have today called uh, Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ. That's the Brigham Young. The other is called Reform or the Restored right. uh, Mormon Church. So, um, well, so, so with the statistics for Islam, so mm-hmm. we've got about what less than one percent in the Americas, and most of the 91.2 is in the Middle East uh, or the Afri- East, North Africa, well, or no, excuse me, Middle East, and then 29 is in uh, uh Africa. Well, uh, I think the biggest Muslim country population wise will be Indonesia, yeah, Indonesia for sure, yeah, um. Yeah, I mean the Middle East, Indonesia, India, Asia, uh, Asia, twenty-four percent. Yeah, America. Yeah, I'm going to say three percent. It, it's it's grown that high. Yeah, yeah this document's a few years old that I have. Yeah, okay, that, that's where you're getting it. And of course, Europe with the migration, right. refugee situation. Yeah. Now this could be problem because in the Muslim countries, it's it's a what you call a theocracy. Mm-hmm. It's a religion and a government. So they're like one. So if you yeah. commit an offense against Islam, let's say you say something against the Prophet or the Quran, right? You can be prosecuted under criminal law. It's a theocracy. Whereas in America, we're democracy. So these comedians and movies they mock out Christianity or something. Well, you can't take them to court for that because there we have this freedom. You can have freedom of expression. Or in um, let's say America or Canada or more of a Judeo-Christian base, you can have freedom to have a Buddhist temple over right. here, and a Muslim mosque over here, an atheist society at the university. Okay, no, no problem. Mm-hmm. That's not like that if you're in Morocco or Pakistan or yeah. Sudan. Go on. Well, it, you know, one of the things, Jan, as I was researching this, they were interviewing some Muslims, and they had a bunch of um, different uh, Christian leaders, Jewish leaders, and it, and they were really hitting him up with the questions. And one of the things that really struck me, because I don't know, I I, I kind of feel that that this statement was actually had some merit, is he said, okay, if we have one of our Muslim family members and there's 100 Christians in a room, I can tell you right now that my Muslim brother or sister, my Muslim brother is going to be a lot more informed about our word and more intellectual than any of those a lot of those Christians in the room, which which they were saying that they really know their book versus Christians where it, it's, you know, a lot of us, including myself years ago, I never read the Bible at the level that that uh, I should have so, so that I could defend it. Yeah. This was about defending the word and being really aware of what's in the Bible is is a Christian. 
So do, do you feel that has any matter? No, that would require more. He makes this statement. Yeah. I, I assume he's a multi- Yeah. Oh, he is. Uh, he's the, He was very, very sharp. And a, a lot of stuff. places where Islam is, there's a high rate of illiteracy. Yeah. You know, even sure. Now, my experience is, and friends of mine who work in Muslim mm-hmm. countries, is a lot of is what you call folk Islam. Right. So it's not necessarily all understanding the scriptures, but they understand evil spirits, uh, jinn, mm-hmm. what they call jinn, we get mm-hmm. genie in the bottle, uh, the evil eye, superstition, magical portions. They understand that, but maybe Islam for the bigger, you know, Ramadan, we're going to fast or we're going right. to celebration. Whether they know the Quran uh, really well and in and out, I think it might depend where you're at. What, yeah, because you know. Well, the reason the reason this struck a nerve is, is I'm putting together these documents and I see the long comparison list of Christianity versus Islam, Christianity versus Mormonism. You know, it is really important, I think, for us to be able to defend our faith because there's an opportunity to bring some of these other folks yeah. over. But if you can't defend it or be able to answer questions that they give, um, you know, I, I, and I think that was one of my key wit, uh, weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I, I guess just I just wanted to mention that to our Christian listeners that it is so important to really get in Bible studies and really uh, try and understand the word. But you also have to understand where the um, focus for them is on the difference between us and and their religion yeah and then you could speak to it a little bit right yeah i think the, the again the critical critical issue yeah is the person of jesus yeah Christ. so if, if it says in john 1 1 right out of the gate in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us that doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room yeah <laughs> you know is he god or is he not god right but if if god by definition is all powerful well, why, why couldn't he come down and visit this earth? Yeah, in a body. You know, I mean, why? Why? I don't. I don't understand why that that uh, almighty, all powerful God, any more than Walt Disney could go into Disneyland and shut. You know, or uh, Steven Spielberg could write himself into one of his movies. Well, it's, it, it's one of the key differences, right? Um, that you know, for them, well, for Islam, Jesus didn't even die or rise. That it was somebody That's else critical. on the cross, right? I, I mean, you know, so how? who cares if he took human form to be the... It's a perfect story for us. That's what we're talking about from Genesis to the time that, you know, our our, our father, our original father failed yeah. uh, to now when Jesus comes is, you know, we talked about the second Adam. He is sinless when he was born. So he is the perfect sacrifice to redeem us Plus, and give us eternal life. Look. Yeah. The whole central message of the Christian faith is death, yeah. burial, resurrection. Yeah. If you study the sermons of Peter and Stephen and right. Paul, death, burial, it's not don't eat this, do that, fast this, do that. It's did Jesus Christ come live a perfect sinless life, fulfilled prophecy, willingly gave his life on that cross, Yep. buried for three days, yes. rose from the grave, a saved. If that is, now you can't say... Like, I've shared this straight up when I'm in discussions mm-hmm. with Muslims. I said, you cannot say he's a prophet or a holy man. He is. N- he's a false prophet. Because if he says, yeah. if you see me, you've seen the Father, or I'm coming back in clouds mm-hmm. of glory to judge the earth, mm-hmm. you're not going to get Isaiah no. and Moses saying these kinds of things. Right. 
So never. <laughs> he doesn't want you. But this yeah. is what C.S. Lewis says. Yeah. Yeah. He's either a liar. Yeah. He's crazy. Right. Like me sitting here saying I'm Napoleon. Right. You know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or he is Lord. Right. There's just no wriggle room. There was a saying in the Middle Ages, Apollo. Uh, let me think I can. Uh, it says, uh, uh, at homo deus, at homo malus. Either God or a bad man. Oh, no. At, at Deus at homo malos. It means either God or a bad man. He, he's he's not a holy prophet, like they say, or a good man or a wise teacher. He's none of those things if he's not God. He's a false prophet. He's a false teacher. He's misleading people. But if he is what the Bible says he is, that he came, sinless life, prophesied, died on the cross, rose from the grave, that's the central. You kick that pillar out to everything. That's why yeah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if there's no resurrection, then we got a fable. Yeah, a fable. It's a myth. Absolutely. Which And then that ties into one of the other big differences is salvation, right? Yeah. So uh, Islam uh, faith believes work towards salvation. Good deeds must outweigh bad ones. Jihad is only assurance. Uh, with our faith, the free gift of forgiveness and physical resurrection via trust in Christ for his uh, atoning work. Um, so only through Christ do we get to heaven. But the Mormonism I hold a view of both eternal damnation and eternal life, but their view is distinct from ours. I wrote here, a person who will suffer eternal damnation is essentially forfeiting by his misdeeds and unfaithfulness the benefits of eternal life. They are not allowed to progress on to eventually becoming gods. Right. Instead, uh, they attain a kingdom of glory, but not one where God and Christ are. Um, those who attain to eternal life are eligible for eternal progression. It's a complicated process. Right, right. Process over time becoming gods, just as God the Father progressed to become God. So they're actually saying if you follow the protocols in Mormonism, you can become a god. Right. That's the key. And and that's even much different than the Islam thing. No, that, that's yeah, the thing. And, right. I mean, wow. They say, as man is, God once was. As God is, man can become. Right. So that's that's why, let's say, for Mormonism, they have a lot of secret rituals. Um, they, they call it, you must be temple certified. Or you right. have proper baptism. You have to mm -hmm. donate so much of your money. You have to be approved. You have to go into a priesthood. They have levels of priesthood, but marriage is very, very important because they believe you're gonna, you're gonna have celestial marriage. You're gonna marriage in heaven. Whereas Jesus says clearly, you're not given a marriage. In right. Heaven. You're like much like the angels, more of a spirit being. So they have a, a centralized kind of afterlife. It's very similar in the Islam has a more centralized um, uh, paradise. You know, it talks yeah. about. Yeah, rivers are wide and couches and gardens and beautiful maidens and all this kind of thing. Right. The Bible is not like that. The Bible says we're going to, we leave this, we're going to have a, a glorified body, but there's no longer going to be marriage and procreation. Yeah. So like the angels do not produce little baby mm -hmm. angels. Right. Yeah. But there's this different. Now, this is like an important point because they're going to do a lot of good works. Yeah. Both of them. I'm serious. I'm, and they're very nice people. They're very nice right? People. I met a lot of, they're very nice people. And most, and most very nice. Very pious. Yeah. They, both of them will have restrictions <clears throat> against alcohol. Both will have more dietary restrictions like, the, yeah, Islam don't eat pork. Many live by a strict diet, uh, pure, like halal, which is like mm -hmm. kosher. 
for the Jewish people. Uh, Mormons do not believe in drinking coffee and tea and uh, soft drinks as, as such. So they have these dietary restrictions. Um, and like you say, they have a strong family bond. Both of these religions have strong family connections, uh, relationships, uh, even having a family. So, yeah, just like when I lived in Thailand, there's good Buddhists, you know, that live up, but best I know, they live a moral life. But that's not what gets you to heaven, you know, having a good life. Is Did you come to the cross? Yeah. Do you have that new birth experience through accepting Jesus Christ as your as your Savior? You know, it says in John chapter 1, to as many as received him, he gave the privilege to become a child of God. That's 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 like everything, if you will. Yeah. So there you there you see. Now we touched on the dietary restrictions. The other thing is they both have a sacred place. Now this is big in uh, Islam because of Mecca. That's All see right. what happened there is when Met, when Muhammad was born in 570 A.D. There was a, this cubicle building. It's a cube-shaped black building right. called the Kaaba, and there was all these idols in there. It's all different gods, okay? And people would go there from all around caravans or go there make these pilgrimage. But he became the prophet. He goes in and, and destroys <clears> them, <throat> these idols. There's no more idolatry. Worship Allah alone. But this will become a center place where they pray uh -huh. to. They pray in that direction. Is that, is that That's where Muhammad was born. He was born in Gaffa, right? <clears throat> Not initially accepted as a prophet of God initially right. there. But even to this day, when they pray, they'll <clears throat> pray towards Mecca. There's even watches. Businessmen, if they're in London or New York, their watch can actually tell them the direction they should be praying. Uh, but the key there is that they, one time mm -hmm. in their lifetime, make a pilgrimage, which is called the Hajj, to, you'll see it on the news when they make the Hajj. Millions are there. I mean, yeah, it looks they, they circle around it and they do, <clears throat> they, if they can, they try to come close. There's this black stone and they can touch it. Yeah. Some think it might be a portion of a meteorite. We don't know exactly, but it's contained in there. It's super holy. And it's the same thing with Mormon with Salt Lake City. Right. And the tabernacle, that's the center for special ceremonies. They believe in being baptized for the dead. That's where they will often have priestly rites. A lot of this stuff is secret. The outsiders, not yeah. them, aren't going to get in to see this stuff. My point being that, whereas in a sense, we as Christians, we don't have a sacred place we make pilgrimages to. I mean, I lead trips to Jerusalem, but that's not like a pilgrimage. You know, we don't, we're not more holy because we go there or yeah. go there. It's nice to go, <clears throat> but we don't have, Jesus right. says, you'll worship your father in spirit and truth. Where two or three are gathered together, I am in your midst. That's a holy place. We do have separated places like churches or, or mm -hmm. areas we gather, but we don't view that as a must to try to get there. Yeah, be made more holy or special. They right. both do, in a sense. Yeah, in a real. So there's one other place of uh, of commonality. Mm -hmm. uh, right. As you continue to scroll through, we don't have that much longer, but I want to look at it at a couple more. Yeah, both are very much. Um, evangelistic in the sense they want to spread that message. And uh, now, originally, this was this was rough because when Islam first started, um, Muhammad was known as the prophet of the sword. So they would go into different regions. Initially, he thought, Muhammad thought that Christians and Jewish people that were on these trade routes that had settlements would accept him as a prophet. But they didn't. They rejected it. They didn't view him as a prophet. Okay. So as he started taking 
expanding. Yeah, people had they they could go into an area people could convert to become a Muslim. Um, some were killed if they didn't. I mean, it's in their yeah. history. But uh, particularly Jews or Christians, they could still live there under Muslim control. These places they took over, but they had to pay a high tax. It's called the jizya tax, a real high tax. And then they could still practice their religion, yeah. Judaism, or Christianity. Yeah. But it, it, there was compulsion there. You know? Very controlling. And to this day, mm-hmm. you know, it's very difficult in many countries to come in and, let's say, set up a Christian bookstore or have a discussion even like we're having over the radio here. You know, it might not go over so well. But the, the idea that there's not... And more and more, you don't have restrictions like that necessarily in a more judeo oh, yeah. country. And so now... Uh, with Mormons, of course, they're, they're also evangelistic. It's that they, every young man that's a Mormon is expected to do two years missionary service, usually overseas. I saw when I lived in Thailand. They're easy identifiable because they all wear white shirts, Yeah, ride a bicycle, they have little na- name tags, and they just go and knock on doors and talk to you in the marketplace, and they stay there about two years and come home. But so yeah. they're, they're missional. You know, they're very... But, of course... We're seeing the rapid expanse of Islam, particularly, let's say, a place like France, uh, Denmark, Sweden, mm. parts of Germany today. And a lot of that is through immigration, through refugee, and through birth. You know, the birth rate amongst the uh, most yeah. population is very large. Yeah. So we, we see that happening. So those those are a couple more areas where you see this, this kind of rhetoric, where if you look at a religion like, let's say, Buddhism, mm-hmm. that's not really... That evangelism. Yeah. If you want to learn, you can learn about it. It's not now. We are, as Jesus says, go make disciples of all people. Now that's no compulsion. We simply present the gospel if they want it. Fine. If people don't accept, that's that's fine. When it's right. no force. And if, like I said before, England, these other countries that are Judeo-Christian usually are wide open to other belief systems. Yeah, John. So yeah, one of the things, just to extend what you were just talking about. Uh, what what their purposes are, um, Islam and Mormonism. I wrote down here, Mohammed claimed he was restoring true monotheism, which superseded both Judaism and Christianity when the Jews of Medina rejected him as the last of the Old Testament prophet, prophets. He conquered their villages, as you said, plundered their goods, took their wives as slaves, and then on one occasion directed the slaughter of several hundred Jews in a single day. Uh, then when you look at Joseph Smith, he claimed his calling was to restore true Christianity again, which had fallen into complete apostasy after the death of the apostles. When he was rejected as a true prophet, Smith was um, far less bloody than Mohammed, but equally offended. He ordered the destruction of the newspaper that criticized him, which led to his arrest and death in a jailhouse shootout. So anyway, it, those purposes are similar. Again, they think they're trying to correct the Christian faith. Yeah, right. I mean, th- and that's an important element. Well, they believe that they have yeah. a revelation or the new one in all the other Christian faith is, is God. It's just yeah. true, and they're the true prophet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Joseph Smith would burn down the uh, printing, you know, yeah. where it was being published in the newspaper because there was a big outcry against polygamy. That was right. one of the big issues was polygamy. And so mm-hmm. in both Islam and in Mormonism, they have this deal where you can change the text. You can change the revelation. Right. It's called abrogation in Islam. 
where you can change. Like, I don't know if you know, remember Salman Rushdie had the book Satanic Verses? Sure. Well, that he was quoting from earlier verses in the Quran where later Muhammad said, I didn't get that from God. That was wrong. Yeah. Let's yeah. change it or omit it. But it was in there. And it's the same thing we'll see in uh, Mormonism because in they had polygamy. It was going strong there for, after the yeah. Brigham Young and so forth. But they wanted to become, Utah wanted to become a state. And the federal government in 1893, I believe, 1894, says you cannot become a state and have this polygamy going on. And see, right. their successor of Brigham Young, they believe he's like a sitting prophet. He can make new proclamations. And then that's what they did. They changed it. And they say, now no more polygamy. So they have the ability to change their revelation, both Islam and Mormonism. Right. That's an important point because they can alter and change things. Whereas really, the Bible is fixed. I mean, you can't... I mean, the the Bible I have here is the same one you have. It's an NIV. It's a New American Standard. Right. The, you can't change things and say like, yeah, uh, in the beginning, like the Jehovah with it, Jesus was a little God or he's an angel. You can't do that. Then all of your Bibles that people that know the Bible, that's wrong. That's not uh, true to text. Right. We can't change it. We don't have that liberty. There's no mm-hmm. authority to change the text, but the, not so in, in these uh, different systems. Um, so as you, as you unfold it, you see how both of these, they both have issues with the Trinity, yeah. especially Islam. They, they, they don't believe that. They believe that's definitely uh False, yeah, because they call it uh, polytheism. You're right, should be multiple gods. They don't understand. We believe there's one God, eternally revealed to three distinct persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you get into Mormon, the concept of God includes many gods, not just one. Uh, Mormons, it's 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 more complex. You touched on a little bit of it. Well, Jesus yeah. was a spirit brother of right. Lucifer, and he preexisted right. as a spirit being. So it's it's more complex. And now many people think. That what happened with Joseph Smith, he might have been drawing, uh, gleaning a lot of the um, uh, mythology and Masonic uh, Lodge at the time. You know, that you have these different kinds of uh, practices going on. And they think he might have drawn from that and incorporated into his uh, this new Mormon religion. For example, both of these religions have a, a clothing code, a strict clothing. Oh, yeah. you, know, you think of the hajib, the women have to cover up in a certain way. And in uh, Mormonism, you actually have what's known as sacred underwear. And uh, it has special symbols on it, but they think they're Masonic. They might be related to Masonic symbols. You can look at it. Uh, many believe he was a high, in the high order of the Masons. Yeah. But then that's where do they get this stuff from, this special clothing, where the whole thing with the Bible would stress, dress modestly. You know, dress modestly. There's no all these prohibitions and, and do this and right the head. yeah the other thing you know with the dietary their strict dietary in islam and mm-hmm. mormonism whereas jesus says is this not what goes into a man's mouth right the father what comes right. out that's right later on we'll say food does not commend us to god if we eat this or we don't eat that as a matter paul goes into this when he says don't judge the other guy if he wants mm-hmm. to eat this or he doesn't want to eat that okay you know that's not the big yeah issue. But there, there is real strict issues in terms of dietary uh, restrictions in both these uh, belief systems. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, something hit me, though. Um, I just want to mention this. You know, when uh, 
when Mohammed first uh, received the revelation from Allah through Gabriel, he uh-huh. thought, you know, he committed those words to memory, you know, wrote them down. But when he first uh, had the visit, um, he was kind of terrified, and he initially thought um, that it was an evil spirit had visited him. Jin, right, right. So when you think about that, he had some insight that maybe this wasn't from well, he was terrified. God, God her father. Yeah. So, you know, what push, you know, you think about that, you know, things could have been a lot different if if he had people around him saying, you know, maybe that wasn't. But I don't know that he had the best advice at that point. Well, that's the issue, Dave, yeah. because his wife, yeah. Khadija, right. as well as his uncle, right. said, perhaps you're right. a prophet. Right. Go get more revelation. And so there were, there can be, but he was, and if you read this, the books, they say he was terrified. And see, they had this belief. They know there was a supernatural back then. They right. call these spirits jinn, yeah. where we get the word genie in a bottle, <clears throat> these kind of things. So he believed it was jinn initially. Yeah. Then he was reassured, and he went and got more and more of these messages. Yeah. And same thing with Joseph Smith. He's got to get these repeated revelation from, from God the Father or from Moroni, this angel. And then he's going to get these golden plates. Right. And then he needs these am- this amber stone to read it. You know, he yeah. gets the plates in a hat. It's pretty bizarre stuff, but it has a lot of occultic connection. Oh, yeah. And this is not uncommon today where people seek insight by going to a psychic, a seance, yes, a Ouija. I mean, that's low gray stuff compared to what these yeah. guys were involved. But it's that idea they want to they want to get messages from the supernatural. What well, the issue there is, is that... Satan is the father of lies. He's very clever, but he's the father of lies. And if he can get some lies in here, you're going to mislead a lot of more people. Oh, if you get people doing a Ouija board or tarot card, right? I mean, you're getting getting a whole lot. And if you can remove the cross Mm -hmm. and the resurrection and the deity of Jesus Christ, you you block their way to salvation. Yeah. It's like covering up the only well in town that people that are... Dying of thirst, can't get at. You see, it's just bad in the yeah. sense that. But again, as we come close to the finishing this up, again, I do think it's good that we look at both of these religions. Oh yeah, as it says in First Peter three fifteen, do it with respect and, and yes, that's humility. The key. Because that's the key. Yeah. Knowing just what we shared today gives people a little insight. Oh, why do you do Ramadan, or why do you have dietary restrictions? You have points of uh, conversational leads you can talk right. About. Right. And you never want to make it confrontational like you've said so many times, John. That's why it's so important that we understand the differences, even at a high level. And when you look at it, there might only be half a dozen to a dozen key differences that you really need to be aware of where you can speak to. Uh, yeah. Like we just went over today. Now, granted, the lists are, are large, but, you know, there's key there's key areas that you can focus on that you can remember and and explore those further so that you can talk to um, other folks about it. Yeah, well, in summary, I mean, if you like Islam, here's some commonalities. Yeah. Have. We're both monotheists. Mm-hmm. They, won't, they don't view us yeah, that way. Yeah, no, they don't. Uh, no, they believe crazy. in prayer. We believe in prayer. They We believe in fasting. We believe They believe in tithing or giving. We believe in tithing or mm-hmm. giving. Um, they believe in this coming to judgment when you die. Um they believe that there's a God who's revealed himself through prophets. Mm-hmm. So you have you have some common ground. You can what I said, 
you can little build a bridge right and not attack them and try to walk across exactly. the gospel right that's why i close with this if you look at acts chapter 10 and we'll definitely close with this in acts chapter 10 you have this man um, praying okay it says here he's not a jewish man he's, uh-huh. he's a roman it says in chapter 10 of acts of the apostles there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He's a centurion in the Roman regiment. He's okay. Now look at this. He's a devout man. He fears God mm-hmm. and his whole family. Mm-hmm. He gives alms. He's generous. And he prays to God always. That means probably multiple times. It goes on later, and it says in verse 30, he was fasting. So he's practically keeping the five pillars of Islam. Keep me for, you know, six hundred years. But he still needs somebody to take the gospel to him. You see, God heard his prayer. He's not a believer at this point in time. Yeah. And he sends Peter. And I think a lot of Muslims might fall into this Cornelius model here. They pray, you know, fear God. They have their house in order. But they need somebody to go and share the good news about Jesus Christ, just like Peter went. Right. And I think that's a perfect model. It sure is. Reaching out to yeah. the Muslims today. Yeah. So... Uh, that's just one area. I think in the days to come, we'll touch on some other belief systems like Jehovah Witness, right. Buddhism, and how people get involved in these and, and how to relate. Um, so thank you all for listening. Um, look forward to another time. This is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorraine, Ohio. Uh, hope you have a great weekend and tune in uh, next week. God willing, we'll be uh, having another subject and maybe a special interview. A special Wonderful. Interview. Take care, everybody. God bless.